everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of History's Greatest Idiots, the show where we travel back through all of human history and bring you examples of utter, complete, staggering stupidity so that you can take lessons from those incidents and never repeat the mistakes again. But who are kidding? We're humans. We like mistakes. And actually, you know what? Today, we've got like a plethora of really interesting consequential mistakes I th certainly from mine i don't know who you're covering derek but yeah it's it's totally up there so anyway joining me so many ever, so many <laughs> joining me as ever is my amazing co-host derek derek how are you doing my man i'm doing good man uh yeah yeah getting ready for my son to graduate this next uh week or so here i think so it's exciting. this week i don't know it might have been last week by the time you're listening to this if yeah, you're not here live right now yeah, it, it might. Um, I'm trying to think. So this is going out because we're obviously recording it live. Um, this is going to be a week later. This will go out as a podcast. So, yeah, um, it'll probably be that exact moment he's graduating. So there we go. Really yeah, cool. I'm, I'm yeah. so confused most of the time. I don't know where I'm at or what we're doing or what episode it is. And... Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I know the feeling, man. Like it's starting to get warm here now. And today it hit like 25 degrees. That's why I'm back to my, I'm dying in this heat clothing. And um, yeah, we, um, I've, I've spent a lot of time sleeping today because of the fucking heat. That's my body's responsibility, like hide in a darkened corner and go to sleep. Um, sleep is my body's response to just life in general. Yeah, at this point. It doesn't even have to be hot. Yeah, totally get it. That's, that's me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we, we actually like had a really nice day. We went for a walk. There's a place literally down the road from where i live called whittick manor um i just love pronouncing it with the age <laughs> whittick manor um which is on top of a hill it's not because national trust places which the national trust in the uk is a, an organization that buys old stately homes from like old rich families who are usually either colonialists or slave owners in the past, but not anymore because, you know, they can't. They, they yeah. like to, but they can't. Um, <laughs> and, and they basically, they can't afford to keep up these like 800 room, thousand acre estate mansions. So they, they hand them over to the National Trust and the National Trust does them up and then charges people annual membership so that they can go around all these estates and watch the history and also use the facilities because there's like, acres upon acres that you can walk your dog in or take your family out for the day and there's really good food because uh, nice. they also like good cafes it's really it's a really smart use so Whittick Manor is like it's one of the smaller ones it's uh 17 acres that's uh, small 17 acres <laughs> um and like this massive house on top of a hill but the gardens are really beautiful it's got like a massive pond where we have geese and there's a bunch of goslings there so we got to see the little babies uh <laughs> so, so that was cute and yeah, just just took the dog, and she was having a hell of a time. And I slathered myself in, in fact, a seventy-five SPF or something like that. I got, it's basically a second sweatshirt over my face, essentially. <laughs> um, and then just yeah, just had a really nice time. And also the highlight, another highlight of our weekend. And this is such a pathetic thing to say. Last summer, obviously, it was so hot, we didn't have a screen for our back door, so we had the fucking thing wide open to get some <laughs> of the heat out. But it's made of glass, so the heat was always going to be there. But also every entire bug in the world just decided to use the, the top of our conservatory as like a, a, a bug orgy zone. So, <laughs> so we finally took the plunge and bought a cheap metallic uh, magnetic uh, thing. Like, what's it called? Like a screen, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm pleased. <laughs> I now uh -huh. have protection from the bugs. 
There you go. No more buggergies in that room. No, no, not in that room. Um, <laughs> probably in other rooms, I leave the window open by accident. They, they just seem to, like, our house is just, I don't know, it's like kismet or something. They just want to come in and get going. So um, <laughs> we've got quite an interesting episode ahead. I think one of the few ones, one of the few times I've actually had time to kind of create a thumbnail in advance and people kind of know who I'm covering later in the episode. I'll be talking about act, famous actor Randy Quaid. First of all, it was really interesting researching him because um, I didn't know much about his like range as an actor, but now I do. He's got quite a, a decent resume. Like I thought he was just a comedy actor. There's way more to it. But oh, yeah. yeah. So before we get into your person, I would just like to remind everyone about our socials. I remember to do it because Derek told me just before we went live, <laughs> and I almost forgot now. So if you want to follow us on social media, please go to at Greatest Idiots on Twitter and at History's Greatest Idiots on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube if you just search for History's Greatest Idiots. There we are. Boom, right there. You can watch all, all, every single one of our previous episodes in video format. It's like over 90 hours of content at this point. That's a lot of video content. Obviously, we're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please go there and listen to us and give us a follow and subscribe. We're at nearly, I, I, I'm guessing now, because we've got 770 followers on Spotify, and I I'm guarantee we've got at least three or 400 on Apple, even though we can't get to the metrics because Apple's metrics thing is a fucking nightmare. So we're at 1,000 followers, I would guess, and then on the other platforms as well. But also, this is the main one. Please go and support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash history's greatest idiots, you can sling us uh, $2, $4, or like 15 bucks if you're feeling flush. And not only, not only will you get access to a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff and early access to stuff, and also Q&As. We do uh, Q&As, I think, for the higher tiers. So, uh, But also, um, you will get your name mentioned on the podcast we will give you a shout out for being a certain level tier person and also um we'll give you access to the scripts but also what was the other thing we were going to do i've forgotten um oh yeah we're looking into early access we're going to give you early access to stuff so that's that's good and also because you'll be one of the first people signing up you get to have like merch if you sign up to the lowest tier you get a sticker if you sign up to the mid tier i can't remember i think it's a poster and if you sign up to the top tier you get a t-shirt so you get clothing for your money Ooh. really really good they give so you the like, shirt right off her back right literally that's that's how it's printed <laughs> i take off my sweaty shirt and print on it and derek is wearing the same shirt as last time no 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 this is how this works when you're a man of a certain age if you find the cut of a shirt or a pair of jeans or trousers or whatever that fits you buy multiples of that that thing because you're like i'm gonna need a lot of these i'm never gonna find anything that fits me this good again i'm, I'm gonna be honest with you yeah my my closet kind of looks like uh you remember last action hero with yeah Schwarzenegger? you open it it's kind of like that it's all it's 15 of the same outfit Essentially, yeah. Like, <laughs> I I have some unique pieces in my wardrobe, but a lot of them are very much the same shape, the same color. I'm a bit like, like you were saying, last action here. I'm a bit like Archer in that I have uh, like a, over a dozen tactical turtlenecks that are either <laughs> yeah. black or slightly lighter black. 
Um, also, the neck loop on left shirt is way too low. Listen, this is because of the heat, my buddy, Toastoid. The reason I am wearing it like this is because if I don't, I die of heat exhaustion. I am born to live in rain and snow, and it's like 25 degrees in the UK right now, and I'm not coping with it. So I'm sorry, but you get to see a little bit of my cleave. Okay, <laughs> deal with it. Um, so, Derek, um, now that we've either I finally remembered to do the social media plugs. Um, can you tell us who, or tell us about your idiot this, okay. this episode? I'm going to do something different this time, and I'm going to start oh. things off with a quote. <clears throat> okay, nice. And it's one of my favorite ones, too. But Okay. So, you, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you hit, it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Obviously from Rocky. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> that's his trainer, isn't it? That's... um. What's what's his name? Um, that was Rocky uh, talking to his son in oh, was the it Rocky? Rocky Balboa movie. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. So it wasn't from the original Rocky films. That's from the from the O six movie. The O six movie. Yeah, I enjoyed that film. I don't, I think that's an underrated Rocky film. It's certainly better than Rocky two or four or five. Um, I <laughs> so, <laughs> I I didn't enjoy two, and I didn't enjoy five. I, I is four. Wait, hold on. Which is the one where he defeats communism? That's four, right? That's three. Is that That's three? The big one, yeah. I thought With three Dolph was Lundgren. where he'd be. No, I, I think three's the one where he gets beaten and then beats Mr. T, right? Where he's gone oh. Hollywood and he stops training. And then four, he beats I must crush you. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They've all blurred into one big so giant Rocky movie. <laughs> And yeah, I enjoyed four because it was so fucking camp and silly and like, you know, working out with logs. Yeah, working out with logs, running through snow and shit while this guy's like getting injected with steroids and running around this state of the art. Rocky's overtraining for the Iditarod. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rocky's (laughs) out like, oh, I'll chop some wood today. And this guy's like lifting thousand pound weights or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's that's it's such a silly film. And then the fifth one, they're like, "Oh yeah, Rocky, you've got brain damage." Like, well, okay, look, we don't need to hear this. We understand this man has been punched in the face ten thousand million times. Okay, he's probably got brain damage, but we don't need that aspect of ultra realism in this because, like, <laughs> they seem to forget about it. Like when they did the 06 movie, they're like, "Oh no, nah, brain damage is fine. Here's your boxing license." Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, that's. That I do, I do like the Rocky films, but I also like that quote. It's like there's quite a few really good quotes from the Rocky films, really underrated films, actually. I think. Oh yeah, well, and the reason this ties in is because I want to tell you about a fighter that could actually hit as hard as life, I think, and okay. had a life that just really beat the hell out of him. <clears throat> oh, wow. Um, fun fact though, he lived here in Arizona for a while too. Oh, cool. Okay, I'm really interested to find out who it is. Uh, He was born on June 30th, 1966 in Brooklyn, New York. He was the youngest of three children born to a mother that some described as a promiscuous woman Mm. that might have been a prostitute. That's not a good start. His father, uh, biological father, is listed on his birth certificate as Purcell Tyson, a humble cab driver from Jamaica, Although nobody really knows for sure who his biological father is, his uh, father that he describes as his father is a pimp named Jimmy. And he described him in an interview like this. My father was just a regular guy caught up in the street world. 
Okay. I would do the impression, but I don't want him to punch me in the face. My father was just a regular guy caught up in the street life. <laughs> Jimmy abandoned uh, that family, the Tyson family, though, uh, right around the time that he was born. So I'm not sure how he came to think of Jimmy as his father, but whatever. The abandonment left them all struggling in the poorer neighborhood of Bedford Stuyvesant, or more commonly known as bed in yes. New York. That's even... expensive now. Yeah, well, they, they gentrified everything over there. <laughs> they did, didn't they? It's crazy. Eventually, it, it got to be too expensive for them to live there, and around the time that he was 10, they moved over into the Brownsville neighborhood, which was notoriously high crime rate and just crushing poverty at the time in the late 70s at this time. Wow. When he was younger, he was small and kind of fat. He wore glasses and he was weak and didn't have a lot of uh, friends, except for, you know, some pigeons that he bought with stolen money. Yeah. <laughs> had like and a real affinity for wild animals, didn't he? Pigeons in general. Yeah. He, he, he likes to, to clap the pigeons and cares for them a great deal. That's and when he, when he was a kid, though, at first, when people picked on him, he just ran away. And it was actually uh, an older bully that took one of his pigeons and popped its neck right in front of oh. him. That led to him throwing his first punch in a fight, wow. which he enjoyed. And it surprised him because he was good at fighting and he liked it and it was empowering. And yeah. then he started catching charges for petty theft and fighting mm. anybody that dared ridicule the way he spoke. Yeah, which I think uh, sometimes yeah. he still does. He does. He does, I think, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, to be honest with you, throwing your first punch at someone who's just broken the neck of your pet something that you dearly love i'm kind of all for that yeah, it's, <laughs> <Sorry. fair. laughs> it's totally on board totally on board with battering people that kill animals yeah uh, yeah for sure yeah but the the trouble after that really kind of started to stack up fast he was 12 years old when he was picked up by the police with around 1500 dollars in his pocket that wasn't his and by the age of 13 he'd been arrested 38 different times Wow. He ended up going to the Tyrone School for Boys in Johnstown, New York, where he met a man named Irish Bobby Stewart, who was okay. a Golden Glove champion boxer that worked as a counselor at the detention center. And Stewart kind of saw natural raw talent with the kid, and he knew he was going to be a great fighter, so he kind of started training him up before he introduced him to the man that ended up becoming his boxing trainer and uh, a little bit later here, his legal guardian. Oh, wow. So when he was 16, his mother Lorna passed away, and that's when trainer Gus Diamato took him in and started training him and focusing him on uh, boxing. He mm. actually dropped out of school his junior year to focus his attention on that, which wasn't a horrible choice because he ended up going on to win the 1981 and the 1982 Junior Olympic Games, yeah, uh, gold right. medals in that. And then he went on and got the gold medal at the National Golden Gloves Championship in 1984. Mm. He only actually had two real losses in his amateur career against a guy named Henry Tillman, who won heavyweight gold in the 1984 Olympics. So not too bad for a young 18-year-old holding his own. Not bad at all. Yeah. Um, on March 6, 1985, he made his professional debut in Albany, New York, and he won that fight by a TKO in the first round. Mm-hmm. His first year as a professional fighter, he had 15 bouts, and he made a pretty good name for himself 
from then on. He went on to win 26 of his first 28 fights by knockout or technical knockout. 16 yeah. of those came in the first round. So he was a heavy hitter. Yeah, for sure. Um, by now, I, I'm sure all of you have guessed by the last name and some of the hints <laughs> that I'm talking about Mike Tyson. Yeah. And we all know that he had an amazing career and some super awesome stats. Yeah. But I just want to, uh, oh, sorry, I, I don't want to ruin your flow or anything, but it's, it's very difficult for people who are younger than us to realize or because we were still uh, both you and i are the same age we would have been like very young kids at the time but it was very hard no matter where you were in the western world to get away from mike tyson oh that yeah guy was everywhere he was on and tell talk about boxing was still huge business at the time you talk about um a presence mike tyson had an imposing presence like basically nobody ever before in the boxing world. It was oh, terrifying. Yeah. He looked yeah. like a killer. Oh, I mean, he still does. Yeah. But, I mean, he got his own video game. That's the right. Boxers are doing that. I know. It was amazing. Uh, great, great game as well. Sorry. But So to be honest, though, he had a great career, great mm. stats, but it's like his infamy that we're here to learn about, right? Yeah. It's the juicy yeah. bits we want to talk about. And yeah. I, like I was a fan of him. And I'm mm. always going to root for him to to stay on the right path and yeah. do the right thing. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, but well, I don't know if he's got time to redeem himself. We'll see. Mm. Uh, in 1987, like you said, Tyson Mania is like sweeping across the nation here. Yeah, and around that same time, he meets actress Robin Givens, mm. who you might remember from Head of the Class and Fresh Prince. That's right. Yeah. They dated for a little bit and she got pregnant and they were married real quick in yeah. February of 1988. According to Robin, he was totally physically abusive even before they were married. And yeah. the entire relationship was kind of a shit show. Mm. Tyson himself said that he was severely traumatized by the relationship. And we'll get into why right now. Mm. Um, at the time, Tyson's worth around $50 million dollars when they rushed into the marriage without a prenuptial agreement. And shortly after they were married, she bought a $4.3 million mansion in New Jersey with money that she withdrew from his brokerage account. What the fuck? (laughs) Shortly after she suffered a miscarriage and then everything kind of fell apart because Tyson accused her of faking the pregnancy to trick him into getting married Mm. and taking his money. And Robin said in an interview on 2020 with Barbara Walters uh, towards the end of the marriage that life with Tyson was torture, pure hell, worse than anything I could possibly imagine. And then by October of 88, she filed for divorce, citing spousal abuse. Mm. Uh, Tyson pushed for an annulment, saying that she was trying to steal millions of dollars and she's manipulating the public. And she responded with a $125 million defamation lawsuit. Yeah. Their divorce was, uh, that's a weird word. Their divorce (laughs) was actually finalized on Valentine's Day in 1989. And some people say she received a $10 million divorce settlement and she claims she didn't get a dime. So Um, there's 10 in there. I, I, I'm not, I don't believe that nobody gets anything out of div- out of a divorce settlement like that i think she got something Th- this was a messed up marriage yeah, there's a lot of tragedy in there and also i don't think mike tyson knowing what we know about him was really kind of ready 
for that level of intense relationship at that time. I don't think he was mature enough. He so much trauma in his past that actually I don't think that that was a great thing for him to do. But he's in love. He's a young guy. Um, 20 years is, old at the time. I know. It's so yeah. crazy. And, you know, he was in like boxing is a weird world. Uh, any combat sport that uh, okay small confession uh an actress friend of mine kind of well well known to a certain extent in this country um she's been in soap operas have been nationally broadcast she's in one currently as well um she had a she got work in a scandinavian drama last year uh so she had to go over to sweden to film it she was in the 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 hotel like lobby having breakfast and a specific um, rising UFC fighter, that's what I'll say. Okay. Um, kind of called after her when she was getting the lift back to her room. Like, hey, pretty blonde girl. And then she was like, she was ignoring him. She's like, I don't really want any of this right now. I'm trying to work. And then that turned from, hey, pretty blonde girl to like the most horrible abuse you oh, can geez. imagine throwing at a woman from like ac across the entire hotel in front of dozens of people. Um, and like his team were like having to hold him back Good purely because she wasn't responding to him. Uh, anyway, um, she complained to the hotel. I, I, she messaged, uh, she was putting on her Instagram story and I messaged her. I was like, this is the person you were just harassed by. She's like, Oh my God, he's got millions of followers. What the fuck was he thinking? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not going to say who he was. Because that's not widely known in the public forum, and I don't want to get sued for it. It it happened, but I'm not mentioning names. Anyway, yeah, um, he, uh, he his team later apologized, and he was very sheepish when she came back down. And I think she was kind of like, "Oh, uh, how are you doing?" Sort of thing, like, <laughs> like that. But yeah, um, the combat sports world. Never mind the head trauma. Um, it's it's kind of it does weird things to people because they have to be in a very specific headspace, yeah, to do the things they do, and letting go of that and becoming a normal person is very very difficult to do. And yeah. I think given Tyson's trauma and horrific early start in life and all the terrible things that happened at that point, um, it's kind of not an it doesn't excuse it, but it's understandable why he is so out of control at this age and it just gets worse from here i know i don't think for a second robin Givens faked the pregnancy i think that was a real life miscarriage and, oh yeah uh, and, and yeah. there's been a lot of uh, interviews and talks about it and he's apologized to her that's good um, that's good but anyway yeah so their anyway. their marriage ends on valentine's day 89 and in 1990 he only has two fights which mm. yeah didn't i don't know they weren't amazing no. because one of them he didn't take seriously, and he ended up losing his undisputed uh, championship to Buster Douglas on February or in February of ninety. Mm. Like, yeah, he did not a, take that seriously at all. It was thirty-five seconds into the tenth round when Douglas hit him with a uh, an uppercut and then a combination of hooks, which knocked him down for the count for the first time in That's his right. career. Uh, he got his a knockout, and despite being a super underdog, excuse me, yes. Uh, Despite losing to a a huge underdog, Tyson mm. described losing to him as the greatest moment of his career, saying, yeah. I needed that fight to make me a better person and a better fighter. I have a mm. broader perspective of myself and boxing, which, yeah. 
man, maybe he's going to get it right. But that mindset didn't last. No. Uh, in July 1991, he was arrested for the rape of 18-year-old Desiree Washington in an Indianapolis hotel. And mm. I'm not going to dive into the, all the details of the trial because there's just, uh, just a shit ton to unpack there. Yeah. And it's not worth talking about that sort of stuff, I don't think. It's, no, it makes it's people, not. Make, makes people uncomfortable traumatic. and I don't like it. No, I don't either. <laughs> Uh, most of you know he was convicted on March 26th, 1992 and sentenced to six years in prison mm -hmm. uh, with four years of probation to follow that. But he was released in 1995 after serving less than three years of the sentence. Yeah, good behavior. Immediately after being paroled, he went on to fighting again. He got some easy victories. And in uh, 1996, he won back the WBC and the WBA belts. He tried to fight Lennox Lewis at the time, but he he got shut down um, for now. He mm. went on to fight uh, Tyson versus Holyfield, which was, you know, the first one. Mm -hmm. not, not that one. The no, first not, one. not the, the main one. Uh, <laughs> he was trying to defend, like, the WBA title, and Holyfield was coming out of retirement. He retired back in 94. Mm. And yeah. Holyfield was actually the underdog in the fight. Yeah, uh, it's it's worth pointing out at this point Tyson was starting to fade as a boxer. Like his skills were on the wane. I think he's a little bit older. There's some prison. miles on that clock now. He's just out of prison. You know, there's a lot of issues there, but he's not. That there's like people have leveled up beyond him. And even though Holyfield was retired, Holyfield was a better boxer than him at this point, and okay. so was Lennox Lewis. Yeah, well, and Holyfield beat him by TKO in the 11th mm, round of that first right. fight, which Tyson blamed on headbutts that the ref said were incidental. But the headbutts thing ended up being kind of a big deal in the next fight, which was yeah, a super, rematch. super anticipated match. It was. Uh, it was huge. It, it drew more attention than the first fight and mm -hmm. ended up as one of the most controversial moments in like modern sports. Yeah. Because that's the fight when you'll remember Tyson apparently decided to become a cannibal and decided the best way to fight back against headbutts was to bite off a chunk of Holyfield's ear. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, wow. And when that happened, referee Mills Lane decided to deduct two points, stop the fight, order, uh, issue a warning, <laughs> and then let it go on. Yeah. In the third round, it was stopped again because Tyson got hungry again, I imagine, and yeah. bit the other ear. That's right. He was actually disqualified that time. And the the bite on the left ear wasn't as bad as the bite on the, the right ear. It was so severe, that bite on the right ear, that a chunk came off and ended That's up right. on the floor. It was found after the, the fight. It was disgusting. It was one of the worst moments in sporting history. It was so um, weird. Yeah. It, it We were watching one of the most disgusting things ever broadcast on live television, but also the absolute decline of a human being in that moment. Like Tyson had gone from the greatest fighter of his generation. A lot of people considered to what has happened to you. Yeah. yeah. I know too. You, you bite off a portion of someone's ear and you get deducted two points. Yeah. What, what would three points be? Do you have to bite the whole ear off? You got to right. bite below the belt. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's harder to do, <laughs> I think. Uh, um, wow. Maybe. 
Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that got him kicked out of boxing for a little while yeah. when the Nevada State Athletic Commission pulled his boxing license. Nobody else would let him fight either. Hmm. And this part right here is for you, dude. Uh, you remember what he did while he couldn't box? He he got into WWF. <laughs> he did. <laughs> and holy shit, was he paid a good amount of money. Dude, uh, it's somewhere around $3 million to act as the enforcer for the main event on WrestleMania. What? what? 14? Th- yeah. 14, I think. Yeah, and also I just want to point out before that, so there were a couple of really famous angles on Raw. Mike Tyson's involvement with this along with Shawn Michaels and D-Generation X, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon made the WWF a a powerhouse again. So that $3 million they spent on Tyson was worth every single penny because it drew so much attention to the product. And the angle was so well booked that that actually uh, they made 10 times that back. That WrestleMania drew huge numbers. Tyson's presence was massive and also it was a a turning point because Shawn Michaels at the time had two herniated discs in his back yeah and he was still wrestling so he had to drop the belt and retire Austin was going to be the guy to take over and they included Tyson in this to add um, uh, kind of what's the word I'm looking for like more potency to this to kind of give Stone Cold Steve Austin that that rocket launch yeah get that pop get that mainstream attention and it worked because the Steve Austin character was taking off hugely and having Mike Tyson kind of be involved in the finish of that match, which he was, was a really smart move. Tyson's a huge wrestling fan. We should point that out as well. He'd always loved it. He should have stayed in wrestling. I think at this point, he'd have made a lot more money. And also I just want to point out one, one funny addendum to this, nothing to do with Mike Tyson, Shawn Michaels, two herniated discs in his back. He's also got a significant drug problem at this point. Pills, all sorts of stuff. He's a terrible. He's got a terrible attitude. He is in the worst state. He was walking around backstage just before the main event, telling people that he changed his mind and he wasn't going to drop the belt to Steve Austin. He was going to hang on to it and stuff. And <laughs> the Undertaker. This is how the legend goes, and it's not been properly confirmed. Some people have slightly denied it, but <laughs> it's still there. The Undertaker heard this. Shawn Michaels going around telling people what he was not going to do. And the Undertaker apparently said, if if you don't go out there and do the job for Steve Austin, the second you walk back through this curtain, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he, <laughs> to show Shawn Michaels that he meant business, he taped his fists up. Oh. So, yeah, that allegedly happened. Um, the Undertaker's version is, words were exchanged, which I feel like... <laughs> it's like a kind of yes. Yeah, um... But yeah, uh, Tyson's involvement earned him a lot of money. He loved himself. He loved that work because he was having the time of his life at that point. And he he earned so much money for doing very little, just being in the ring with these people. He was getting paid like half a million dollars. So. Yeah, he 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 should have stuck around with that. But yeah, it was uh, January of 99. He got his license back to mm. box and mm. started fighting again in a match that was you know filthy with controversy again yeah and yes biting the balls is three points that's three points yeah penis is <laughs> three and a half Ooh. penis and balls five <laughs> penis balls and gooch straight disqualification that's it and, Done. and i wonder what points this would be but it, oh, it ended up getting him disqualified right away but a let or no 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 okay here we go this next okay. fight in 99 against both uh Allegedly, Tyson tried to break both of his arms while they were tied up. 
That's but right. The, the referee, referee let the, the fight continue. And both knew that he was ahead on point. So he started to like taunt and mock Mike Tyson. Because oh. apparently he's out of his mind. Yeah. And that lit the fire because he landed, uh, Tyson landed a straight right that knocked yeah. him out in the fifth Cold. round. Yeah. And uh, yeah, at least nobody was bitten. Yeah, I, I again, Francois Botha <laughs> is a fucking idiot. So um, that was quite a satisfying thing. He had like, I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm pretty certain he had ties to like apartheid and oh, stuff yeah. in South Africa. So that would make if, sense. If that's the case, I think I heard that at the time. I could be wrong. If it's the case, fuck that guy. If it isn't, I apologize, Francois. Please don't punch me. Is he still alive? <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, Francois Botha um, had a bit of a controversial career as a boxer. He was kind of a, a bit of a dick all the way through it. So yeah, I saw that knockout and yeah, he was gone. Like yeah. a different plane of existence after that punch. Well, yeah, at least he didn't break his arms or bite him. Yeah. And, yeah. and he didn't do what he's going to do to this other guy here in a minute. Um, it was March 1999 when... He was sentenced to a year's imprisonment and fined $5,000 and ordered to serve two more years of probation along with 200 hours of community service after he assaulted two motorists after a traffic accident in mm. August of 98. Mm. Um, right after his release, which ended up just being months later in October, he had another fight that ended in a no contest and was kind of dumb. Yeah. In 2000, he had three more fights that were all controversial. He, he The first one was in England, and it mm. almost didn't happen because they weren't going to let him in because he's a convicted rapist. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he ended up getting the fight. He won in the second round. It was a, The next one's a 38-second fight in Glasgow, mm. which wasn't a big deal. No. Um, what was a big deal about that one was that when it was over, when he'd gotten the knockout and the guy was still standing knocked out and the referee tried to break it up, Tyson kept punching and actually mm. knocked the referee down. That's right. And the third and final of the year lasted three rounds and ended with his opponent being completely pulverized and unable to continue because he had a broken cheekbone, That's a right. concussion, and a neck injury. Mm. And the worst part about this one is after the fight, Tyson tested positive for marijuana mm. and due to his refusal to not test pre-fight, they turned the score on that one from a win to a no contest. That's right. Um, then he had one just garbage fight in 2001 in August of that year. He was accused of raping a 50 year old woman in big bear, California. That accusation, that. along with another one in 2002 in Las Vegas, where he allegedly did the same thing to another woman in her wow. limo, caused issues for him, but the prosecutors never brought charges. Mm, okay. Those accusations did play into um, some trouble for him in 2002 when he got the opportunity somehow to fight for the heavyweight championship again. Yeah. Um, and by somehow, I mean the pay-per-view money and marketability of the fight don king's silver tongue yeah yeah so he's set to fight lennox lewis and that fight ended up becoming the highest grossing event in pay-per-view history that's right even though it almost didn't happen 
It was supposed to take place in Nevada, but they refused the license to him because of the pending sexual assault charges mm. and this other thing. See, the Lewis and Tyson and his entourage were in New York doing a press conference for the fight and a little bit of a Donnie broke broke out out. yeah (laughs) it was one of the first major ones because there'd always been like what we call them handbags in this country uh just like you know get away it's like that sort of (laughs) business at at press conferences but this was like dragging people to the floor and like trying to hurt them oh yeah well there was super bad blood there because like two Mm. years before when he was trying to get him to fight tyson made some remarks after the fight he took instead of uh, Lennox Lewis, the first one. Mm. Um, He said things directly to Lewis and about Lewis, like, uh, I want your heart. I want to eat your children. Yeah. Remember that? I I like the man. (laughs) I I respect him as a fighter. I think he's uh, he's a wonderful human being, but uh, I'm definitely going to make orphans out of his children. Uh, I do do believe they have a mother, (laughs) champ. Yes, but I would imagine she would die of grief. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's a quote well, from the simpsons the, um, yeah nice i didn't see that one yeah that was that was um when homer fights um uh Dredrick tatum which was their stand-in for mike tyson gotcha um, yeah um his comeback fight he's been in prison and he's gonna take it out on homer simpson <laughs> <What the laughs> that fuck? makes sense <laughs> yeah, and Hope was walking down to the uh, the boxing. His his entrance music is "Why can't we be friends? Why can't we?" Be <laughs> like, oh my god, that's the most unin. Um, there's nothing intimidating about that whatsoever. Not so um, much. Yeah. So yeah, Tyson, man, he is so far gone at this point, and I have a slight. Okay, it's very difficult because Tyson's now been first-hand exposed to the world of kayfabe and how to promote what stuff. Is kayfabe? kayfabe is the language of wrestling. So wrestlers will oh. use a specific language to talk to each other, or at least they did before it became widely known, so that they could discuss a match or an angle or something without smartening up the fans. So they'd use inside words like potato for punching someone deliberately hard or getting juice if uh, you blade or um, like they'll call certain spots and they'll use words that don't make any sense. It's a, a, It derives from the Carney language. Okay. Um, but kayfabe went from being like a language people, wrestlers in the industry used to becoming like the whole culture around wrestling and how to promote wrestling and work people and earn money from people and how to set up an angle so that it looked real. And it's it's there's something about Tyson's involvement in that where immediately after that there seems to be a, a it coincides with his growing reputation as a loose cannon and mm-hmm. as a result of that his increasing draw as a boxing person on pay-per-view just as his career is starting to wind down so he's making yeah. more money despite the fact he's getting older and clearly much worse but his drawing power is this man's a wild animal and he's going to hurt people so I don't know if that's the case I suspect he would have learned lessons because he's not stupid. He would have learned lessons from the people around him in the wrestling scenario where he was like, oh, that's how you promote it. Because the stuff with Steve Austin was initially reported as a shoot. They were like, oh my God, Steve Austin and Mike Tyson nearly fought each other. And like, no, this is an angle. This is uh, all fake. But 
enough of the mainstream press thought it was real to report it as such. And I think he saw that and he was like, how can I work this into my dwindling boxing career? And I don't know how much of Lewis. Yeah. I don't know if that was the case or if he genuinely was off the deep end at this point, but there's probably a little bit of both. I think there was a lot of cocaine at this time. (laughs) Um, Whatever happened or whatever was going on, Lennox Lewis straight up whooped Tyson's ass and knocked him out with a right hand in the eighth round. It was it was clinical. Tyson, I want to point this out because a lot of people say Tyson, greatest boxer of his generation. Um, Lennox Lewis uh, was so far ahead of him at this point as a boxer. He was a tactical genius. He didn't have the knockout power. It wasn't particularly fancy, but man, he knew how to beat people over 12 rounds and how to pick them apart piece by piece. An incredibly intelligent boxer, Lennox Lewis. Oh yeah, he was super skilled and and his reach kind of got in on people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After that Lennox Lewis fight, he only had one more uh, professional victory in him and he showed up ready for that fight. Uh, fresh from partying in Las Vegas, sporting a brand new face tattoo. That's right. The infamous <laughs> face tattoo. Oh, my God. He won that fight, but it ended up being his last professional victory. And by August 2003, he claimed he was dead broke and he was filing for bankruptcy despite making hundreds of millions of dollars for his mm. last few fights. Yeah. Now, is that his wild spending and his tigers in his back garden and stupid mansion or is some of that don king allegedly taking money that he shouldn't have it's a, probably all of it bit of yeah, both bit i of mean both again it whatever it was it drove him back to the ring and he uh mm. signed a contract to fight in the k1 kickboxing league that's right i remember this but nothing ever really came of it because japan refused to issue him a visa because of his felony history that's right. This was against Bob Sapp, who yeah, uh, Bob Sapp is fucking enormous. He's six foot nine. He's at least three hundred and fifty pounds. He's looked exactly the same for twenty five years in terms of his <laughs> physical makeup. He's a he's a vampire. He is a vampire, and he's just terrifying. But also, like he was a former, I think he might have been in the NFL, maybe dropped out because of injury. Started wrestling training. Then he went over to Japan. And became a wrestler slash shoot fighter. He had no defense. Like he was just a big guy who threw everything at people and slammed them down. He lost uh, about the same as he won at this point before he became a joke and lost everything. Would tap out like seconds into his fights for a quick hundred thousand dollar payday. But at this point in time, Bob Sapp in Japan, that is a million dollar fight right there, multi million dollar fight because he was drawing fifty, sixty thousand people to baseball stadiums, to uh, the dome in Tokyo. And all of these things were built off the back of this enormous human being who was fighting these terrifying shoot fighters who were beating the absolute shit out of him. But he was throwing them around, so it was a really good spectacle. I wager that if Mike Tyson, who was a f- probably about a foot shorter than He's Bob only five Sapp, foot ten. It's five foot ten, so almost a foot shorter. I wager that if they actually had either a kickboxing or a boxing match, Tyson would have knocked him out in three rounds. Because Bob Sapp has basically no punch defense at all. He well, just lets been his face he, take it. If he was still hitting as hard as, you know, you th- yeah. he did. Um, yeah. But yeah, that ended up never really happening. And mm. at the same time, things were still going really poorly in his personal life. Yeah. Yeah. What Toastazoid says. Yeah. Random <laughs> bullshit. Go. 
2004, he agreed to a plea deal related to charges stemming from a fight with two autograph seekers in a hotel lobby. And then later in 2004, he was arrested right here in Scottsdale, Arizona, after jumping on the hood of a car outside of a strip called uh, strip club called Highlighters and nice. going full Hulk mode, doing like $1,400 <laughs> of damage, just beating the hell out of the car. Fuck me. Uh, yeah. A valet who witnessed that incident told police that Mr. Tyson was intoxicated, falling over and slurring. Um, mm. Yeah. It's probably not cocaine <laughs> that time, probably something else. Not that time. Not that uh, time. From there, he uh, continued to try to have a boxing comeback because yeah. he needed money, and mm. it went really shitty. He lost three of five of his fights coming back, and then just shockingly up and quit boxing mm. before the seventh round of his fight against Kevin McBride in 2005. That's right. Which is, you know, very Mike Tyson. Yeah, it's like, I'm done with this. That, that's This is my career done now. Yeah, that was yeah. a sad time. A lot of boxers and, you know, fighters in general tend to go on way beyond when they should. Uh, Muhammad Ali stands out in my mind as someone who fought way longer than he should have done and probably caused him to lose a lot of his, like, years. He could have lived longer and because of the Parkinson's disease thing. But yeah, Tyson, after the loss to Lennox Lewis, should really have called it a day at that yeah. point. And, and and I think it was purely because, like, he describes himself saying that, that he's broke and he's always going to be broke just because that's where he came from. Yeah. And then, you know, just shit started going or kept going bad for him. In December of 06, he was arrested again in Scottsdale, uh, this time on suspicion of DUI and felony drug mm -hmm. possession after he crashed or nearly crashed into a police SUV. And for that one, he entered a plea of not guilty on on January 22nd, 2007. Wow. But later in September, pled guilty to possession of cocaine and driving mm. under the influence. And he right. was sentenced. You ready? This is a good it's one. Good. And it's like good. it, it, dissol it deserves like a drum roll because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> um, he received a sentence for possession of cocaine and driving under the influence of 24 hours in jail. <laughs> fuck's sake <laughs> how did he get out after seven with good behavior yeah something like that i'm sure he was on a work release <laughs> what uh, seems to be the what seems to be the problem officer <laughs> <laughs> what seems to be the opposite problem yeah uh after his release from that one he was ordered to serve three years on probation and complete mm -hmm. 360 hours of community service i'm not sure how that all worked out and i guess the prosecutors were trying to get him a year in that one mm. but in february he checked himself into rehab, so the judge right. kind of went lenient on him. Right, yeah, smart move. 2009 rolls around. He's arrested again for a scuffle, this time with a photographer at a Los Angeles airport. Mm. No charges. Okay. September 2011, he gave an interview where he talked about Alaska, our former Alaskan governor, Sarah Palin, which included some crude and violent descriptions of interracial sex. Ooh, what? Yeah, it was pretty gross. Gross, uh, but also I imagine she fucking hated that as well. No, oh, Sarah I'm Palin. sure, I'm sure. Yeah. But he kind of stayed away from media after that one for a little while, okay? Because it, it wasn't going well for him, at least over no. here. Uh, in May of 2020, he posted a video on his Instagram of him training again to boxing, and at the end of the video, right. he, he hinted at a return, saying that he I'm back. Yes. Then in July, they announced that he signed a contract to face the former. 
four division world champion Roy Jones Jr. Yes. In an exhibition match. I've seen that. It's actually it really good. It lasted good. the full eight rounds. Yeah. yeah. And it was really fascinating from a boxing point of view. You saw like, I, I, I think it's a work for a start. I, I feel like it was staged like, Okay, well, it ended in a draw. Glad he had worked together. It ended yeah. in a draw, yeah. And they both got a massive payday from it. But what was really interesting was you watch that back. They're almost demonstrating really good, basic, fundamental boxing techniques and like uh, sequences and stuff. So it's kind of like a really good lesson. If anyone wants to get into boxing and wants to understand sequences of punches and flurries and and uh, combinations, watch that fight because these two like hundred year old men. <laughs> combined <laughs> are like they're giving it all and they look really good for their age it's like a master so, class it was it was really good and 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 that was kind of the end of his boxing right there yeah he did yeah. do a little bit more wrestling with all elite wrestling in the 2020 <laughs> and then he got in trouble again because in 2022 he was on this flight from florida to san francisco hmm. and he was kind of getting into it back and forth with another passenger yeah and that dude threw some water on him that's so a mistake. <laughs> Tyson beat the hell out of him while people filmed it on camera. So you could go and watch that if you want to. Yeah. It's on TMZ. That that uh, one I, I that one ain't on him. Like no. if you if you give listen, it's Mike fucking Tyson. <laughs> go up to him if you have to. I would suggest not. I would just if you if you have to say anything, go, hey Mike, love you. Something like that. You know, he'll appreciate that. Yeah. Don't bother the guy too much because no one wants to be like even if you're mildly famous no one really wants to be bothered while they're like on a fly or in a restaurant or taking a shit amazingly yeah. that happens but um yeah don't fuck with mike tyson what is wrong with you well he's got a history of hating people that fuck with him while he's out i know and like he will not stop even when he's being pulled off he will try and kill you stop mm -hmm. fucking with mike tyson he will hurt you for god's yep. sake and then most recently, the final thing that I have on him here oh, wow. is that more. earlier this year, mm. an unnamed woman filed a $5 million lawsuit against him, accusing him of raping her um, last year. But I don't know where that one's going to go. It doesn't look mm. great for him because he's got a history. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Either way, he had a rough go of it in his personal life mm. and... uh the second half of his career after he blew everything up and went to prison yeah and he's in and out of jail in and out of trouble broke and that's what lands him right here on my list of history's greatest idiots yeah man this is this is a it shouldn't be but this is a difficult one uh for a number of reasons also mike tyson and i don't know um i'm sure it's a deliberate thing because he's tried to reinvent himself as a slightly more lovable retired boxer who's got opinions and stuff. He's got his own podcast now, which does really good business and he has right. plenty of money from that. Um, and he appears on multiple other people's podcasts like Joe Rogan and all of these people. And he's very reflective now. Um, very, very much. Yeah. Retis uh, he's very, what's the word contrite about his past. And he um, is, he's kind of more, philosophical now he's always quite an intelligent guy when you you gave him the chance to actually slowly speak his mind he was always right. like he gave you some really interesting insights um uh, it's really hard to get past this this past of his so much of this actually reminds me of new jack 
um, bit, like yeah. the upbringing because you know the prostitution thing and the violence at home and well and he, <sighs> I guess in that Lennox Lewis fight too uh, a lot of people mm. said that he straight up came out and said he was going to try to kill him in that fight yeah um, and again I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is kayfabe and how much of that is actually mentally mental illness right or drugs or whatever was going on because it's it's a Don King fight you know there's no real cocaine is a hell of a drug yeah cocaine is a hell of a drug (laughs) yeah you know it's it's a don king fight you know that the uh the boxing board of control aren't really doing massive drug tests in that scenario because everyone's jacked up out their fucking minds on probably steroids allegedly i kind of think it's hilarious that he was high on weed when he beat the hell out of that guy all the things (laughs) that would have the opposite effect that is a performance d enhancer if anything Hey man, can we just uh, chill out and just we talk? This I'm out. gonna punch your fucking life out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike Tyson, man, where to start with this? Okay, so it's gonna be high. It has to be high for all of this shit. Like the man's in his fifties, sixty. Is he? What is he? He's when was he on sixty six? Yeah, so he's getting on for sixty now. Um, yeah, he's he's mellowed a little bit, and his public image is. He's a reformed character. That's his public image. But, you know, shit still. At it. Yeah, working on it. And hopefully it eventually happens. But, you know, shit still keeps happening to a certain extent. But, you know. He keeps getting back up and trying. He does. And I like that about him. I, there's something about Mike Tyson. And you get this with certain people. You kind of root for them. There's something about them that you want them to do well. You want them to be good. You want them to be happy and healthy and safe and there's something about mike tyson and i don't know what it is but i want that guy to succeed and be comfortable and not have to do or be part of or whatever all this crazy shit right but i just can't get past all of the stuff um and i'm gonna put the emphasis on greatest because he did achieve a lot considering where he came from and all of the other stuff but really quickly too really quickly for a young man and you know, if Gus had stuck around a little bit longer, if he'd had a bit better support around him, maybe not been surrounded by yes men, maybe had like that father figure that he really needed that, to kind yeah, of wasn't a pimp. That wasn't a pimp to kind of give him a bit of structure. Um, it's so hard. I don't know where to go. This is the first one where I haven't had an exact number in my mind. Okay, I'm really struggling with this one because I know it has to be high. Um, I think I'm, I'm go good with whatever because yeah. I'm just happy to tell you the story of. I know it's an amazing stuff outside story. his fighting. <laughs> yeah, Tyson's life is an incredible thing, and yeah, I think I'm going to go 87 with Mike that Tyson, seems, which is probably his fair. big year, actually. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, I I forgive bits of it because of there's clearly issues there and probably stuff that he's never really had in interventions for or assessment for I'd imagine um there's probably bipolar disorder in there somewhere also the massive amounts of head trauma and stuff and just emotional damage that's been done to him over the years but yeah like some of that stuff is like that he's still facing the same shit now it's it's really bad I don't know how much of that, though, and then, and I don't want to, like, victim blame or anything. I don't know how much after a certain point is because people think they can get money out of it and how much of it is because maybe he's a shady, rapey person. Yeah, um, it's it's so hard to know, isn't it? <clears throat> this is the problem is 
We may not know the full extent of it. We may know the full extent of it. It's it's so difficult to know until you have all of the facts in front of you. There, there's an aspect of there's no smoke without fire. But at the same time, you know, it's one of my favorite phrases. And it was something that was created, a, a word that was reinforced, maybe created, by <laughs> Hank Green, who, and I don't think Hank Green will ever see this, but Hank Green just uh, announced to the world the other day that he has been diagnosed with lymphoma. So get, I hope you beat that soon, Hank Green. Really amazing educator and YouTuber. Um, he said the truth resists simplicity. And I completely agree with that. Um, there is never a straight answer to any given situation. There's also multiple inputs and elements that go into anything, but there's something about Mike Tyson, man, that maybe maybe there is something there that we don't know about just yet. I really hope not, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, while we're on the topic of boxing, who would win Muhammad Ali versus uh, Theodore Roosevelt? <laughs> I don't know, man. Teddy was fucking handy. No, it's Muhammad Ali. Uh, He's beating yeah. the shit out of that tiny little man. Um, yeah, he was an amazing fighter. Yeah, and just really was. built like a brick house. Yeah, just beyond athletic, he had almost superhuman like reflexes. His defensive ability was incredible as he got older. Like he aged as a boxer really well, especially for the 1960s, which when you know, like science and medical assistance in people long like getting longer careers that was in its infancy but yeah teddy roosevelt i guarantee he takes two or three good shots with a, a snippy funny comeback and then gets knocked out <laughs> teddy roosevelt was tough as fucking nails but man he would not stand a chance against muhammad ali he's like a foot and a half shorter than him plus he would have been like off. yeah come at me boy who <laughs> would have been like that that's teddy um so yeah um mike tyson 87 i'm happy with that uh Me too. i yeah I, I hope the shit with mike tyson just calms down he fucking retires and puts his feet up and just i hope that happens for the better yeah, of everyone and himself spend some time with his seven children he's got seven kids i, I believe that's what i read yeah fuck me okay that's a lot uh wow okay yeah spend time with your kids and your tigers mike holy shit um so from someone who experienced a really catastrophic downfall in their career to someone whose decline is it, it's so weird it's almost the stuff of fiction i i swear to god i've never seen anything as crazy as this it's as weird um, as him it's as weird as some of the performances he's given because like you look, watch some of the the Randy Quaid performances and you're like, oh, this guy is really funny. He looks kind of crazy. He's fucking crazy. He really is. Um, My favorite is ID4. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. That's classic. Yeah, I do like that one as well. Um, so I'm going to start by making you laugh. Randy Randall, Rudy Quaid. Good goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Triple Good grief, goodness golly. Yes. Was born in Houston, Texas to Juanita Bonadale Nita, Nee Jordan, a real estate agent, and William Rudy Quaid, um, who passed away in 1987, quite young. He was 64. Um, an electrician. Yeah, really young. Quaid has English, Scottish, Irish, and Cajun ancestry. I'm not even sure why that's relevant. Um <laughs> Why? Why do we need to know that? Uh, through his father, uh, Quaid is a first cousin, twice removed, of cowboy performer Gene 
Altry? Utry? Gene Autry? Autry, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, right on. I, I don't know who that is. I think I've heard the name. Famous cowboy singer. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, he's he's related to Gene Autry. Autry, whatever. Oak tree. Uh, Randy Quaid grew up in Bel Air, not that Bel Air, Texas, a small city surrounded by Houston. And in Southwest, uh, oh, so it says, and in Southwest Houston. Okay, so he moved. Um, He's the older brother of the much more successful and entirely more normal Dennis Quaid. Um, There you go. There you go. Uh, Dennis (laughs) has done some really interesting films in his career that they've probably reached higher levels than I'd say some of Randy's films but randy's been in some big roles as well so they've Dennis both Quaid was in the rookie right yeah he's in the rookie um he did it he did my Inner... favorite movie oh really well, that's <laughs> interesting he did in a space uh which oh, was yeah. a big deal back in the 80s um he was married to meg ryan he was in the gi joe films amazing i haven't seen any of them they're, they're fine they're like the turn your brain off watch some explosions films um so yeah he's he's done a few things and he's kind of been consistently working in hollywood for like 40 something years so good on you dennis quaid his his randy quaid a little bit more known for his comedy we'll get to that in a bit so in high school he took a class in drama on a whim and although he didn't expect he would enjoy the lectures after the third day he was completely captivated by the course and decided to make acting his professional goal which uh, is that's both a troublingly quick decision and also a typical thought process of a teenager at the love time. Love at first so, lecture? Yeah, love at first. Oh, how I knew that Shakespearean <laughs> quote. Like, how I knew him, Horatio. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of a moment where a kid makes a decision about their entire future and you fully expect them to change their mind in a year or something, but... Yeah, he stuck with it, and uh, that kind of making a decision on a whim, like a teenager, and then sticking to it is something he's never really grown out of. And you'll see that oh, yeah. in the rest of his life. Oh, yeah, he has he has trouble um, disseminating reality sometimes. Um, he continued studying acting in the University of Houston. During one course, his teacher sent him to audition for Peter Bogdanovich, who was yeah famous documentary and filmmaker, who... Okay. Peter Bogdanovich, who was casting for the last picture show, and Quaid won the won the role in, and it became his debut film. Huge break right there. The last picture show is considered a masterpiece. It's a beautiful film, and Ooh. it's it's a real like uplifting kind of thing. Um, I would I would recommend uh, the last picture show to anyone. It's it's brilliant, and that was his first role. See, I feel like I've heard it, but I haven't yeah. seen it. I don't think. So I'm no, have to it's check it's that out. It's not something that's like regularly put on TV or or really talked about. But like filmmakers, like Spielberg and people like that, they, they like hold it in really high regard because yeah. Peter von Danovich, like it was his magnum opus. Like okay, this was his absolute baby. So, um, but he he won the role. And it was a, a hugely successful film and nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And his first role, a comedy actor, um, his first role was a serious dramatic role. Also, he was in other Peter Bogdanovich films, including What's Up Doc and Paper Moon. Um, Quaid's first major critically acclaimed role was in The Last Detail, 1973. He played Larry Meadows, a young United States Navy sailor, on his way to serve a harsh harsh sentence for petty theft 
Jack Nicholson starred as a sailor assigned to transport him to prison. Quaid was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor, and a Motion Picture and a BAFTA Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. So early on, he's getting huge recognition. He's 23 years old. That's good stuff. I haven't yeah. like I haven't really followed any of the early stuff at all, so no. this is all new to me. I know. I was as shocked as you are. I did not remember him from the last picture show, but then again, if you're not looking for Randy Quaid, you probably don't see randy quaid right you know you're like oh okay it's the last picture. but once you see him you see him everywhere yeah once you see this six foot five inch <laughs> terrifying man uh yeah you see him everywhere and uh, so yeah he's he's kind of making a name for himself as a serious dramatic actor at this point but like slight kind of quirky dramatic dramatic okay. actor you know um in 1976 he appeared opposite marlon brando in the missouri breaks and also, in 1978, Quaid had a supporting role in the Alan Parker drama Midnight Express, which is a fucking great film. Go and watch it. It's Man, awesome. I'm, you know what? I'm going to have to start taking notes here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the Midnight Express is about Americans and an Englishman imprisoned in Turkey. It's, it's, it's really good. I, okay. I yeah, I'd recommend it as well. Uh, Quaid appeared opposite Charles Bronson in the 1975 action film um, of a, a Mexican prison escape called Breakout, based on actual events. So okay. Quaid was also the lead in um, the comedy Martians Go Home. <laughs> okay, and, yeah, I think that was like a kind of a, a camp cult uh, pulpy thing, um, and Cold Dog Soup and played the King of Spain in Goya's Ghosts. So loads of cult film names there. Okay. So he's like, he's doing prestige roles. He's doing cult films. He's like really building a reputation for himself at this point. Um, he's in showing range already, huh? Massive range. It's really impressive, actually, this, this early part of his career. Um, in 1987, he won a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Emmy for his portrayal of President Lyndon... Uh, President Lyndon Johnson in LBJ. Hey, we, we talked about him, yeah. <laughs> and Randy said that he'd wanted to play Johnson since becoming an actor. And actually, it makes sense because he's from Houston. Um, he's a big dude. LBJ was a big dude as well. So physically, it works perfectly. Um, I responded to him and his wants and needs in a way I've never done with any other characters. That means he likes whipping his dick out, I guess, and being an arsehole <laughs> to everyone around him. Um, Quaid also wearing tried... Wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, wearing a cowboy hat in the bath while you're naked with everyone around you. Uh, Quaid also tried to portray what he learned were Johnson's political attitude. He was on the side of the people. He did a lot of a lot for racial equality, which is true. He really did. Um, did, did he also have a nickname for his penis? Possibly he did. Toast as well. As back to Randy Quay talking about LBJ, he had the ability to look at both sides of an issue and bring two opposing sides together. He was a man of great heart and compassion. Mm. Um, he thought he could handle the Viet Cong the way he handled the people of Texas. He couldn't. Not the same thing. No, yes, different. <laughs> um, he thought he could reason with them, but he had no understanding of them or their cultures. What do you mean you don't like rodeos and barbecues? What the fucking <laughs> hell is wrong with you? Now stare at my penis. Isn't it majestic? <laughs> Jesus. That's my LBJ. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Um, so 
that's that's really interesting. I just want to keep that quote at the back of your mind because he's talking about LBJ is an interesting character. He's talking about how he has the ability, the ability to see both sides of a point of view. He did a lot for racial equality, um, and he tried with the Viet Cong, but ultimately wasn't successful. So Randy Quaid is giving a really good summation of LBJ there, mm-hmm. and he's not like lionizing him. He's like showing the bad with the good. And trying to bring that out in the character's portrayal, which I really like. Um, it shows that he's got an understanding of where LBJ did did good and did bad and, and failed. And that, as an actor, is really good. But also it shows that he's attached to reality at this point in his life, which is going to be and really then And then drugs. <laughs> um, in 1992, he played the monster in Frankenstein. Again, really good casting because he's so tall and bulky. Um, opposite Patrick Bergen as Victor Frankenstein. Quaid said, I wanted to play the monster not just as a monster, but a disfigured man. I wanted to emphasize the human qualities. He is basically struggling for equal rights. He wants any man, he wants anything any man would want. I mean, I get that he's trying to go for that type of portrayal, but that's like every fucking portrayal of Frankenstein over the last 40 years. Like, I want to bring out the humanity in the the monster. I know, it's like that's where the story comes from. Although in the <laughs> book, I think Frankenstein kills a child. Anyway, never mind. Um, so Quaid had starring roles. This is this is the big kind of breakout year for certainly our generation anyway. Quaid had starring roles in the 1996 cult classic comedy Kingpin. Oh, yeah. Uh, where he played the Amish bowler Ishmael, as well as... A role as, uh, uh, by the way, Kingpin is fucking brilliant. And oh, that one's that. a good one. I've seen that one. Yeah, that's really good. With Bill Murray with his like massive comb over, which just flies everywhere. It's just <laughs> brilliant. Um, as well as a role as a pilot in the blockbuster science fiction film Independence Day, released the same year. Matt, 1996 was Randy Quaid's year. And he's 23, 24, 25 years into his career at this point. So he's like okay. pushing 50, which is so he's of, finally getting his he's finally getting like up. the paychecks, you yeah. know, like he's he's done the prestige stuff, he's established himself, uh, nominated for an Oscar, and he's now getting like big bucks to star in these like quite good comedies, get millions and millions of dollars. Um, he previously starred in uh, Quick Change with Bill Murray in 1990. Quaid also appeared in four of the seven. Uh, you remember, Quick Quick Change is a bank robbery movie, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. with the clown. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Bill Murray's brilliant <laughs> in that. He's the most miserable clown you've ever seen in your life. Um, appeared in he Quaid also appeared in four of the seven National Lampoon's Vacation film series as cousin Eddie. Yeah, jovial uh, you know redneck. Relative, that one's my favorite character. That's a really great character. <laughs> uh, jovial redneck relative through marriage to Beverly D'Angelo, wife of Chevy Chase's Clark Griswold. He's amazing in that role as cousin Eddie. He, the character is insane, completely fucking insane. And he plays it completely straight the entire time. At no point you're like, Oh, he's hamming it up. He's chewing the scenery. No, he is that character. The guy with a metal plate in his fucking head. And maybe he's like constantly banging on it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where it is. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this is normal now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny because he plays it straight. You're like, I believe that this man is a, crazed redneck who takes himself completely seriously and it's it's really it's a really good performance as a comedy actor um 
Short, and this is a really interesting switch as well. Shortly after appearing in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the third installment of the series, Quaid was featured in Days of Thunder as NASCAR owner and successful car salesman Tim Dalland, a determined businessman who expects his team to be top-notch for fans and sponsors. Again, a really good, like, serious, dramatic role, right? I forgot he was in that. Yeah, me too. I think like I was like, and and then you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, there he is, and you can yeah. picture it in your mind. It's yeah. so crazy. And like, so he goes from the National Lampoon stuff to like a serious Tom Cruise vehicle where he's like right. playing like quite a hard nosed character. Great range. Um, so too. yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, oh, man. I, I lost my place. Uh, You're looking Quaid at the was... nickname for his penis thing and laughing, aren't you? That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah, doing. That's, that's why I lost my place. Yeah, uh, maybe he did. Uh, Quaid was given the lead role in the vacation spin-off, a made-for-TV film, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure. Oh, boy. Yeah. I did not yeah. see that one. No, I, I don't think anyone saw that one. That's 2003, uh, which marks his final appearance in the franchise to date. Um, he had a pivotal supporting role in Brokeback Mountain. Um as rancher Joe Aguira, Aguira, something like that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen he, that one either. Oh, Brokeback Mountain is amazing, and again, like it won like seven, eight Oscars, something like it's, that. Um, that's what I heard. I just never got around to it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I can't, I can't recommend that enough. But again, Dennis Quaid, uh, Randy Quaid, not Dennis Quaid, pivoting <laughs> to a serious dramatic role right. in an Oscar, an Oscar steam engine that was a heavy film. movie too right heavy movie yeah. yeah it dealt with issues that hollywood wasn't really quite ready to confront at the time but yeah man it was huge um quaid had a co-starring role in the canadian independent comedy real time in 2008 which opened the 2008 slam dance film festival what the fuck is a slam dance huh. um and that's 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 where it's like moshing isn't it yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's huh. where you throw your fucking fists around. Was it a uh, movie about punk rock? No. Uh, <laughs> it's an independent comedy. Uh, I, I've never heard of that. I think his career is on the wane at this point. Uh, and here's why. His acclaimed performance earned him a uh, Vancouver Film Critics Circle Award. Oh, you were really good, eh? Here's, here's, a, circle. here's a little plaque. Here you go. <laughs> uh, following his work in the director video comedy Balls Out, Gary the Tennis Coach. Oof. Wow. Um, this is a slide. Uh, trying to bite on that dodgeball movie? Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, Quaid's legal troubles prevented him from working for almost a decade. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, boy. Uh, Quaid was not asked to reprise his role of Cousin Eddie in Vacation 2015, uh, which is the one with Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and... Jennifer Aniston. Although the character was verbally referenced, he returned to perform with Rob Margolis, uh, weight loss comedy about all you can uh, comedy all you can eat, uh, which premiered at the Soho International Film Festival in June 2018 after the film September screening um, at the Northeast Film Festival. Quaid was nominated for their award for Best Supporting Actor in a Feature Film. That's kind of where we leave his acting career at this point because it's like. He's back to doing really cheap independent films. Yeah, stuff nobody's heard of. Yeah, and no one's really ever going to see, but you know, he's making a living. Now let's get to the... He's left his part-time career as an actor behind. I want to talk about his full-time career as a lunatic now. <laughs> okay. Um, 
After 2016, Quaid became an outspoken supporter of Donald Trump and believed the outcome of the 2020 election was widespread fraud. Uh, three weeks Tyson after the- supported Trump too. Oh, fuck me. That, I just didn't just- put that in there. I didn't even realize the Trump, it's the Trump episode by proxy. Uh, three weeks after the election, Trump on his Twitter account thanked Randy Quaid for agreeing with his claim. I bet he cried when he got that. His fury is that a quote from Trump? Because, yeah, Trump thinks everybody cries when he acknowledges them. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Randy Quaid. That's so weird. Um, in 2006, Quaid, who acted in Brokeback Mountain, sued the producers for misrepresenting the film as a low-budget art house film with no prospect of making money. Yes, a low-budget art house film starring Heath Ledger and Anne Hathaway and, uh, what's his name, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah, During that's, that's kind of the peak of all of them. Exactly. Like, this is just before The Dark Knight. Like, yeah, oh yeah, definitely a low-budget film. Come on, Randy, wake the fuck up. Um, he he sued them for misrepresenting the film as a low-budget art house film with no prospect of making money in order to secure Quaid's professional acting services as a, uh, at below market rates. That's his his thing. Um, I, I think he needs to get a better agent for a start. Um, yeah. But also, this is a prestige film. There's And I'm not a fucking professional actor, but this is how it works. You use the good press from your performance in this prestige film that wins a fuckload of Oscars to get yourself a higher paying role in some schlock, like Independence Day or, or whatever it is. Right. It's called the Ben Affleck strategy, and it's worked <laughs> for him for decades. You do the shit film, then you do the art house film to get that reputation back, and then you do the shit film for $7 million, and then you do the art house film, and then you do an espresso advert in Europe for $10 million or whatever. So, <laughs> Well, if it's the Ben Affleck effect, then yeah. which one was Air? Because I thought that was a pretty good film. Yeah, it was... That was really good. I love that. I don't Air. know that That's... he was necessarily great in it. No. I mean, it just seems like Ben Affleck with a perm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I like I really like Air. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess that's kind of movie. midway because it'll have Amazon money behind it, so it's he'll probably get like the prestige and the money for that one. So it's not like he's doing a, a Kevin Smith comedy or yeah. like F like you were the bomb in Phantoms, man. Um, none of that. Um, but yeah, um, Randy Quaid not kind of understanding how Hollywood worked there. Anyway, back to this insanity in two thousand and nine. Quaid and his wife were arrested for allegedly defrauding an innkeeper in Santa Barbara by using an invalid credit card to pay a $10,000 bill. Who runs up a $10,000 bill in an inn? How much was the room? I know. Like, even a presidential suite's like $5,000 a night. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, man. Um, And it's an inn in Santa Barbara. It's not fucking, you know what hilton? hilton in beverly hills i don't know yeah. uh, the two were released on bail that evening and subsequently paid most of the bill most of the bill however <laughs> they repeatedly <laughs> failed to appear in court and warrants were issued for their arrest they eventually appeared in court the following year where the case was dismissed against quaid for a lack of evidence his wife evie pleaded no contest to a misdemeanor count of fraud and was placed on probation for three years in addition to having to spend 240 hours of community service. Did he sell his wife out? Because he didn't get shit. Seems like a little bit. Seems like, yeah. You take a plea deal? 
Come on, it's yeah, only a yeah, misdemeanor. I'm going to take the deal, babe. I'll take the deal, babe. I'm fighting for my rights. Yeah, you get community service. Uh, they probably turned the in into an out. That's very good, Toastoid. I like that. They probably did go mad. Given what we're about to hear about them, that wouldn't surprise me, actually. Um, in September 2010, Quaid and his wife, again, were charged with burglary after they spent five days occupying the guest house in a vacant home they once owned in Santa Barbara. They broke into their foreclosure. Were they high house. and lost? Uh, sorry, I just what? thought they forgot. I said, were they high and lost? <laughs> thought maybe they forgot their keys. I think they were just squatting. Oh, okay. <laughs> at this point, it's just like <laughs> uh, we'll, no one will see. It's the pool house. We'll stay there. And the Quades claimed the home was wrongfully transferred to a third party by the use of a forged signature. Okay, like um, in pain and gain. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just we'll copy that. That works, I guess. Warrants for their arrest were issued after they failed to appear in court again, and as a result, they also forfeited their bail. Um, in October 2010, Quaid and his wife moved to Vancouver, Canada, where they sought asylum protections under the Canadian Immigration and Refugee Protection Act, stating that they feared for their lives in the United States. Help us, we don't want to pay our bills or go to prison, is essentially what they're doing here. That's um, not a reason for asylum. That's not a... No, there are actual <laughs> asylum seekers who are in real peril, and you're like, oh my god, I fell asleep in my pool house, and now I'm on the run. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't pay a bill. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's not my house anymore. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Border authorities arrested the couple for their outstanding warrants in the US. After they were granted bail, Quaid gave a press conference and later the couple's asylum seeker story was detailed in an article by Vanity Fair. Let's have a look at the okay. insanity that this Vanity Fair article includes. This is a first-hand account from an interviewer who tracked them down while they were living in a car. I'm excited um, for this. I didn't I didn't yeah, I had no idea that he like fell off like this. Oh man. You have it. Oh, it's so I mean, good. It's about to get so quite weird. The pair. I know. Evie Quaid called from a payphone in Vancouver to say that she and her husband, Randy, the actor, tried to drive to Siberia, but they couldn't figure out how to get there. She said, we're running for our lives. She wanted me to meet them the next day in Vancouver's Chinatown, which couldn't be arranged any other way as the Quaids don't use cell phones anymore because Evie said... They're tracking us. <laughs> Good God. It's trying to, they're trying to drive to Siberia. Drive to Siberia. There's a fucking ocean in the way, lady. <laughs> um, they, they, the ho were the Hollywood star whackers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the couple had been talking about in television interviews ever since they were arrested in Canada in October, um, seeking asylum. The Whackers, they said, were the same people who had killed Keith Carradine and Heath Ledger. David Carradine died from the old choke and stroke. Yeah. That no one killed him except his own kinks in that situation, I'm afraid. Pushing no the limits. Yeah, it was just the, the, the belt was just too good a leather. That's what killed him. Um, possibly, the, the, the Hollywood Whackers now, possibly set up Robert Blake and could now be targeting Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan. All of these people have got, like, multiple things going on in their lives. Yeah. I was going to say, are the whackers just mental illness? Is that code? Yeah, for... that's it. They're the people that are slipping them the drugs. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Yes. Are either of you mentally unstable, schizophrenic, or on drugs? Andrea Canning asked on Good Morning America. 
Do you think we are? demanded Evie. No, said Randy. Yeah, we think you are. Um, I found the Quaid sitting in their car outside of a Chinese tea room on a block glowing uh, with red and yellow neon lights. Wow. Uh, nobody was around. It was night. Their car, a black Prius, was crammed with stuff. Clothes, coats, shoes, papers, a pillow, blankets, and an excitable Australian cattle dog named Doji. Jesus, they're living in a Prius with a dog? With a dog. Not even a little dog. A decent-sized cattle dog. A big herd dog. That's so funny. Um, the dog, Doji, was hoarse from barking while he was in the pound when his owners were being detained by Canadian immigration. So he like he was taken to a pound while they were sorting that shit out. The car Better smelled the of... back of a Prius. Well, yeah. Um, the car smelled of uh, fast food and dog pee and Randy's cigars because he smokes cigars constantly. Oh. Yeah. That's a horrifying smell. Could you imagine if you could bottle that? Oh, oh my I God. Could... That's like warfare level smells right there. That's disgusting. I asked the Quades if they were living in their car. Only on nights when we're too terrified to leave our stuff or don't feel secure. So yes, they're, they're living in their car now. Um, wow, so they're both having some sort of psychosis here. They're having a, a full-on mental break at this point. Okay. Evie said, we used to have a Mercedes. The whole ordeal has forced us to become incredibly green. So their paranoia made them turned them into car-dwelling and crap-hoarding piss-smelling eco-warriors, basically. You know, as it does. We're going to save the world in this piss-smelling Prius. <laughs> Get in, Randy. <laughs> Priuses... <laughs> this is so amazing. This next paragraph fucking cr cracked me. Priuses are deceptively roomy, ra drawled Randy, who's originally from Houston. We're tall people, and legroom is important. Glad you got your priorities straight there, Randy Quaid. Stop They're smoking not surprisingly roomy, though. They're not. They're really not, especially compared to a Mercedes, for fuck's sake. Um, Evie, 47, a former Hollywood it girl who once modeled nude for Helmut Newton and put up uh, a show in a gallery in L.A. consisting of giant photographs of her pierced vagina, was dressed in black questions. You have questions. Yes, people buy art like that. Um... <laughs> okay. Yeah, she was dressed in a black YSL blazer, vest, pants, and combat boots, fugitive chic. That's a fucking great line. <laughs> That's amazing. All seriousness, that was printed in Vanity Fair, fugitive wow. chic. Yeah, amazing. There you go. Yeah. It's all the rage. All the rage. Yeah, you got to wear that YSL if you're going to get on the run. Uh, she was wearing a bejeweled Prada belt that looked expensive. She was verging on emaciated, tense, and jittery. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Looking for some more drugs. Uh, we haven't eaten at a table in a restaurant like this in 18 months, Randy said, as we settled into a corner of a brightly lit, brightly lit tea room, which was otherwise empty. Both Quades were glancing nervously around. Drugs. Um, they're hunting us, Evie said. It's really happening. They've got us in a spiral. Well, you're in a spiral, all right. Don't let the, uh, don't let up on them. Drive them off the road. Starve them to death. She was slapping her hands together for emphasis. Pull their money out of their bank accounts. What the fuck is she talking about? Hmm. People. This sounds really messy. 
yeah, this is <laughs> meth all over it or something. There's something going on here, right? People started noticing that there was something seriously amiss with the Quades about three years ago when Randy left the Broadway-bound musical Lone Star Love and was then banned for life from the Actors' Equity Association, the stage union, for physically and verbally abusing his fellow performers. So he's got a case of the Bill Murrays there, oh. unfortunately. Yeah, that's not good. Um, then came the arrest and the couple's bizarre appearance at various court dates. They wore pink handcuffs, and Evie carried in uh, Randy's Golden Globe and had a valid credit card affixed to her forehead. Um, okay, yeah. to court? To court. Yeah, Judge that's what you need. That. You've got yeah. to have the Golden Globe. And, and by all, all accounts, you've got to have yeah. something stuck, stuck to, your, to head. your forehead. I'm, I'm thinking of putting my keys there. Because I'm that's, always losing those. It's a great that's a good idea. one. Thank I've you. Got jury duty for federal district court here in like a couple of weeks. I think maybe I'm going to come in <laughs> out of it. Put the fucking credit card there. Learn this Why from Evie Quaid. Evie Quaid told me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> They're after me, the Hollywood star whackers. Uh, by the time they arrived in Canada, calling themselves refugees and claiming they were targets of an assassination plot, the Quaids had gone viral. I asked them when they believed their troubles began. They said it was in Marfa, Texas, and rural uh, the rural artist community where Giant was shot. Um, they said they had traveled there in the summer of 2009 to look at ranches and stuff, um, and erect <laughs> stuff and stuff, and erect a Randy Quaid museum. Okay, I'd Think go to the that, troubles. Though. I I would go to that. I would also believe that the trouble started before then because someone thought, let's build a Randy Quaid museum. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's convenient if you're not pay, if you need to pay for something, you can just slam your head down. That's true. Only Toast if the card always. has a tap function, though. That's a good point. You can just like <laughs> hover over the thing with your head, just wiggle <laughs> it around. Um, so, yeah, a Randy Quaid museum. Uh, they'd been fixing up a building in the middle of town reportedly with the proper permits. Again, Randy Quaid Museum. Um, already, Evie said, something really weird had been starting to happen with Randy's mail. His royalty and residual checks weren't coming. We were really, truly panicked. I mean, just call your fucking agent. You yeah. Know? Turn you in know? your change of address. Exactly. You know, that shit happens all the time. It's the postal service, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, we were really, truly panicked. Adding to the unrest was the recent demise of the actor David Carradine, a friend of Randy's, whose death from apparent autoerotic asphyxiation in Thailand, the Quaid's believed to be suspicious. It's not. It's a different it's kind suspicious. of Hollywood whacker yeah. there. This isn't, yeah, that's a different guy. <laughs> this isn't Jeffrey Epstein. This is a man in a cupboard with a belt around his neck trying to masturbate. That's all that is. Right. Yep. This isn't someone who what what it what has David Carradine got on anyone? It's yeah. David fucking Carradine, you know? They really wanted to learn uh Kung Fu. Yeah. And teach him. So he's like, You will not kill Bill. I will not help you. <laughs> oh wait, um, did I get the wrong Carradine? Was he not the Kung Fu one? Uh was no, he, he the was. history channel uh cowboy one Carradine. I, think, I, I can't remember. Oh god, this got them all mixed together. They're all one big Carradine thing. <laughs> they are one being known as the Carradine. Um, they, the aforementioned Hollywood star whackers, decided, okay, if we knock off David, then we can do is simply collect the insurance covering his participation in the television show he was working on overseas. I don't... Really, is that... I don't think like, that's how that works. No, it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you keep him alive. Well, you earn a lot more from the 
thing, I mean, right? How would they get the insurance for it? Exactly. Like, can you take out a policy with the beneficiaries being the Hollywood whackers? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I, I I don't and also like this is Hollywood. Like insurance money is not big compared to the returns on a successful project. Yeah. You know, that's like basic coverage right there. So that doesn't make sense. It's normal um, people money. Yeah, it is. It's like life changing for us, but when you're a multinational conglomerate, that's like it's really disappointing money. Um, Evie said, "It's almost moronic. It's so simple. It's definitely moronic, Evie. Oh yeah, for I fucking agree. sure, it's moronic." Um, she she also said she suspected Jeremy Piven Piven's falling <gasps> no. ill from mercury poisoning was another sign of a dastardly plot by the Broadway producers of Speed the Plow to collect insurance money. I think Piven's still alive. He is. Right. Yeah. I didn't know he had mercury poisoning, but I would assume that's just from eating too much fish. Well, yeah. It's like you're on Broadway, you're eating sushi, you might yeah. get mercury poisoning. It's that simple. Uh, it was <laughs> it was an orchestrated hit, she said. They could have put mescaline in his water. That's not mercury, lady. No, that's a that different thing. Makes for a way better uh... yeah, experience than mercury poisoning. <laughs> Jeffrey Richards, one of the producers of the play, declined to comment. I'm not fucking surprised. Yeah. Who would want to be associated with this mess? Oh, my God. Anyway, so like, I'm not even commenting on that. Yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with these people. <laughs> you enjoy your piss-smelling car. I'm staying in Broadway. Um, anyway, let's go back to the... That's that's the Vanity Fair story that they're talking about, where basically you're witnessing the mental complete breaking of two people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's get back to the actual chronological events here. So Quaid's wife, Evie, was actually granted Canadian citizenship in 2011 based on her parentage. And Quaid sought permanent resident status as the husband of a Canadian, which is smart. But in January 2013, the request is denied. So okay. womp, womp. Mercury poisoning was my nickname in college. I like that. That's That's good. Uh, sorry, I missed one earlier. Certified Randy moment, man. That's going to have to become a thing from now on. Like well, Randy yeah. Quaid moments. Um, so Pulling a Randy, I, we'll call it a Randy. Yeah, when something like that happens, holy shit. <laughs> Quaid lived in Montreal uh, around 2013 and was briefly arrested for not checking in as a non-resident, which is like, I mean, that's that's a thing, right? Especially when you're kind of people are going to be watching Randy Quaid because he's kind of a bit of a loose cannon. Uh, yeah. In 2014, not easy to hide. No, you're, when you're like almost Andre the Giant, it's difficult to hide. Um, in 2014, the Quaid sued the U.S. State Department for revoking their passports in 2011. That's not going to go well for you. Mm. Um, by 2015, the Quaid's legal appeals in Canada were exhausted, and he was notified he was being deported one week prior to the deportation notice. Deportation date, I should say. Um, what's <laughs> sorry? What's he doing? He's going Randy. Yeah, that's that <laughs> fucking works. Toaster soy, that's a great one. Uh, so uh, one week prior to the deportation date, the couple drove across the Canadian border into Vermont, where they were detained by U.S. Customs. The couple were detained pending an extradition procedure ordered by the state of California. Uh, we've got to get on the run. Where should we disappear to? Venezuela, Morocco, Iran, Switzerland. No, Vermont. Nope. They got good syrup, I hear. They do. They got Ben and Jerry's as far as the eye can see. 
<laughs> which is what you want when you're on meth. Oh, yeah. You, you, yeah, definitely. Like you're getting hungry at that point. So sweets. Um, on review of the state of California's case, the Vermont judge found irregularities and voided the uh, extradition request whereupon the Quades were released and allowed to remain in Vermont without conditions. Dodged a bullet there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with his lawyer at his side, Quaid asserted in a press conference that the reason he was released was that the California judge had issued an arrest warrant before the crime had been committed. That's bullshit. Dun, dun, uh, dun. Yeah, look at him lawyering up there. In principle, <laughs> the Quades were the subject to arrest uh, should he travel to another state, yet in 2017 they vacationed in California without incident. <laughs> so he went back to California. That's fucking weird. He's uh, like, Yeah. <laughs> you can't get me, Hollywood star whackers. I'm in your state. Uh, Quaid and his wife planned to make Vermont their permanent home as his wife grew up there. Um, so that's 2017. That's kind of where we leave the the randiness Okay. Uh, for now, but I, I'd, in case you're wondering, has Randy Quaid moved on with his life and kind of changed? Maybe, yeah, did he get better? Did he get better? Uh, I'm going to give you a small sampling of Randy, Qua Randy Quaid's Twitter account right now. Oh, boy. So, um, okay. Yeah. The Democrats are corrupt, rabid, grizzly, uh, are a corrupt, rabid, grizzly bear, and the DOJ and FBR are the woods hiding him. Hiding him? Um, what do we do to survive now that we have the White House loaded for bear? Question mark. Um, uh, is that like... That's not even how that phrase works. No, no. And that's also, <laughs> that's from May 19th, 2023. That's two fucking days ago. So, Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. So, next, next quote. Um, FBI leadership raked today for destroying an agent's life and depriving his family of clothing he had a two-week-old daughter all for exposing the bureau's unlawful retracking of every american who lawfully traveled to dc on january the 6th referencing referencing the january the 6th attack on the capitol this quote is from may 18th 2023 that's three days ago as the Dude, please recording. tell me Randy Quaid was in the Capitol. I want I, that video. I, I, I mean, you couldn't miss him. I mean, like he's head right and shoulders right. above everyone else. He's probably he's, not climbing a wall. Yeah, but yeah, he's not doing I mean, a Spider-Man impression. He's right there in Vermont. Yeah, it's not far. It's not far. <laughs> it was probably what if he's smart, which I don't think he is. He was probably <laughs> watching from afar. Um, CNN still airing woke advertisers keep on advertising. They just keep fucking each other in the dark with no one watching and no one buying. Fucking in the dark, Randy, really? That's also from May 18th, 2018. So we've Man. in two days, we've had FBI, DOJ, uh, January 6th, Democrats, CNN, Woke. This is in two days. These three tweets. He is, all that stuff from. He is uh, rapidly unraveling. Yeah. He's and upset about something for sure. There's something going on. And uh, the person who would drum up false charges against a man for their own advancement or gain as a person with no talent of his own to exploit and removing that untalented scumbag from the planet would be no loss and only make America a better place. That's Randy Quaid referencing Trump's sexual assault trial, which he absolutely did. And also calling for someone to be killed, oh um, or for That's someone to kill God. the victim. That's from May sixteenth, twenty twenty three. That's five days ago, as a recording oh, of this podcast. Holy hell! 
So I Did you tag him? You. Is he going to pop in here? I Ooh. tagged him when I retweeted the broadcast. I don't think he is. We haven't had many people in this evening, but if he sees it, hey, Randy, get your shit together, mate. What is wrong with you? Um, okay, so that's Randy Quaid. Um, I've been wanting to cover Randy Quaid for a while because I was aware slightly of kind of him going... I mean, it's, it's hard to know what happened. I'm guessing psychological break. Um, common Randy L. Yeah, Toaster Zoid. That's that's a fucking giant L right there. Um, but I had I had no idea about the extent of this kind of. No, I didn't either. Race. But with Man. them both having the same sort of paranoia, schizophrenic, psychotic break sort of thing happening yeah. at the same time, it leads me to believe that it's something like meth or yeah. Um, an amphetamine type thing yeah that that would cause psychosis like that because you can i mean there are instances very common instances of collective hysteria and collective psychosis where it sort of spreads yeah not like that happens in an instant like when people are hemped up in excitement and like all fear and scared like it happens like instantly and then 10 minutes later it's kind of gone Right. Because people have like left the scene or they've kind of come to their senses. This is happening over a period of months, weeks, years, whatever it might be. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I think that's either one or both of them have got some mental health illnesses in this, but I think there's more going on than just mental illness in this situation. And I think yeah. it's still going on because these tweets are the kind of yeah. things you see from like someone with 23 followers who have been listening to too much Andrew Tate, you know? Right. They're going back and forth between, uh, what is it, OAN and Andrew Tate and uh, yeah. what's-his-face from InfoWars. Yeah, fucking Alex Jones. Yeah. There's emails Chong in this as well. There's fucking um, our boy, what's-his-name, uh, the alt-right oh, outcast that we have. Milio Yanovich. Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> it's his name all up. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's it's all of these people kind of bundled into one Twitter feed. It's essentially like a greatest hits of stupidity and insanity. Yeah. Um it's from stuff. the old I'm gonna have to follow him. Yeah, it's it's kind <laughs> of it's sad. It's like it's the opposite of George Decay's feed, where it's all like kind of positive and helping people and putting people in their place and standing up for rights. It's Randy Quaid who started out as someone who seemed even keeled and made smart statements and kind of picked out the good and bad in lbj in a really accurate and succinct way that was like 30 years ago now now he's like nowhere near that person it's weird and i wonder i i've not no idea what's going on with the quaid family i don't know if dennis has ever released any statements about like his brother's behavior why would you get involved in that that's just not something you want to be a part of i think yeah it's worrying I just keep wishing that I had a drop right now, like I did in radio, where it's like they're on drugs. They're on drugs. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's, there's allegedly. Oh uh, yeah. There's something yeah. going on there, right? Let's be honest. Uh, so, what do you think of Randy Quaid? I mean, he hasn't killed anyone. No. So there's that. I it's it bothers me a great deal the potential that he had and yeah. how it just. It, just switched yeah and and you really got to wonder what happened there and mm. the the craziness of it mm. bothers me uh yeah the paranoia is scary yeah. and 
God, the whole conspiracy theory pushing crap when you have a platform on the the media, which it, it's bothersome. Mm-hmm. I know. Does he have a big following? Did you say? Um, I will just double check and see if he's retweeted us or shouted abuse at us or something like that. <laughs> uh, Randy R.R. Quaid on Twitter has 824,000 followers. Ooh, and uh, A bit yeah, more than me. So, yeah, there's quite a few followers. And this is his picture on Twitter. Hey, you can't see it right now. That's those are some Randy kick-ass Quaid. glasses. Though. Those are some fucking fly-as-hell glasses right Dude. there. Randy, you're rocking it. He looks like a very tired... Um, who's the guy who founded um, Def Jam? Uh, Rick Rubin. Oh, yeah. He looks like I, a I was really say, tired Rick Rubin. Kind of looks like Homeless Santa. Homeless Santa. Meth Santa. <laughs> uh, I'm trying... I'm See, I noticed... Here, I got. I'm trying to get my beard to be as white as his. I'm excited for that day. I'm right behind you, buddy. I've got a bunch (laughs) of gray going on. Uh, Yeah, I I want all of the gray. I want it all gray. Well, yeah, this is bugging me because I keep seeing it and it's like, Mm. I just look like I've got fuzz in my face. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just eating something weird. Uh, Um, Yeah, so so Randy Quaid. The dramatic and quick thing and the fact (sighs) that he's wandering around trying to get asylum from the Hollywood star whackers. Fucking he's he's got classic crazy idiotness and blowing oh, yeah. up his career that way gets him mm. extra points. So sure. I, I'm comfortable going 82 on on Randy Quaid. Sure, Give yeah, him a couple extra points for the tinfoil hat. Yeah, um, it, it's it's kind of a weird one with Randy Quaid. Um, again, it's it it feels sad to yeah. me. Um, again, I don't as much as I don't like certain people, and Randy Quaid is definitely not someone I'm rooting for like i am slightly with mike tyson um it it feels very sad when you see someone go through what is clearly a psychological break it was sad when it happened to britney spears oh yeah um it's happening again it feels like yeah some people just don't always have their mental health conditions under control um kanye west is kind of like the perfect example of someone who really needs people around him who can help him manage his mental health Because there's definitely nobody doing that for him, and he's finally been quiet for a while. But yeah, this is... um, I don't like seeing people decline in this way and continue to either feed into it because it's become their brand now, or because they're just so deep into it they can't see a way out. But Randy Quaid has got some serious issues, and I do hope he kind of gets himself back on track. And he's not going to get there if he's spending hours on Twitter talking about January the 6th being completely lawful. Yeah, rambling nonsense. My cat is trying to open the door right now as we speak. My little door handle is like... It's Randy. (laughs) It's Randy. He's in your pool house. Oh, boy. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) Run away. He's a giant man, but he can't run. Um, So, yeah, I think 82 is fine. I might revise the Tyson thing in future. It was so difficult for me to score that one. Uh, part of me was thinking 90 initially. Um, I just wanted to talk about him. I was good with yeah. anything, honestly. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I make up most of my stores, scores off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. me too. They're, they're they're not. They're just arbitrary. It's kind of yeah. like the points on whose line is it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, it's not a hard <laughs> and fast scale we're going for here, but we do like to remind people that very few people are going to come close to beating Thomas Midgley Jr., who has doomed the fucking planet. Um, so yeah, and that's, that's our show for this week. Uh, really, I had a lot of fun 
uh, looking at Randy Quaid's history and looking at the multiple articles, the Vanity Fair article on Randy Quaid, the interview is it's fascinating journalism. It's like it's like Louis Theroux and every kind of weird documentary you could ever think of, but it's it's an actual written article and he's like hanging out in a Chinese tea room looking over <laughs> his shoulder the whole time. It's so weird. So yeah, um and what and Tyson is a great one. We've had a really good episode in terms of like names. I think so. Around, right, yeah. yeah. Tyson is really interesting. Dude, it was just wall to wall batshit crazy on this episode. Yeah, and the declines oh, yeah. were so rapid. I feel like Tyson's despite what kind of more like Yeah. Tyson's yeah. is more of a yeah, kind of peaks and troughs, multiple like recoveries and stuff, whereas Randy Quaid, his inexorable decline continues on yeah. Twitter, and I don't see a way back for him unless he gets some sort of help. But yeah, it's it's worrying. So um what was the other thing of it? It's, yeah, I, I wanted to say all those insane, awful tweets were from the last week. That that's those are all happening in a week. It's crazy. Yeah. So that's our show for this week. Thank you guys so much for all of the support and love you keep giving us. Get in touch with us. Our um if you go into the podcast notes on this, you will find links to our social medias, uh, mine and Derek's. We've got link trees. We are both on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get in touch with us. I'm even on TikTok, but <laughs> it's confusing, and I don't like the UI, so I am I'm only occasionally on there. I, I would be on TikTok, but I can't remember oh, how not. to sign in any of my accounts. That's right. Yeah, you are on there, but you're not signed in. I, I get so that as well. It. I'm so... I keep forgetting my password, and then I update the software, and it loses it, and I'm like, I can't remember this. Every Just time use my I, face. Every time I forget my password, it creates a new one for me. So I got like yes. sixteen TikToks. <laughs> oh oh well. man, no wonder their numbers are so good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, give us a follow on our various uh, different platforms. Uh, Derek's name is usually that effing guy, and I That's am right. why all the anger. So how did you come across that name? Just random fact here, then. Uh, so. 12 years ago i started uh, a website and a blog called while the anger which was basically taking weird and stupid stories uh that i found really interesting and um kind of just putting them out there as an exercise in writing while i was working at the same time and working in the media and stuff i just wanted to express myself in my own way and do a comical thing a lot of it was based on um I have to give credit to what would Tyler Durden do.com, which I was okay. a huge fan of at the time. I'm in touch with the owner now. He's a great guy, Brandon. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of wanted to do something similar to that, but only in my own voice. And then, uh, yeah, it just carried on from there. I wrote that for years, like something like 145,000 words on that website. I did a, a quite a popular little segment called um, Inconsiderate Travelers, where I would uh surreptitiously photograph people on trains who would block seats so people couldn't sit next to them uh, and then i would ha disguise their identity by blurring out their faces and then putting um henry kissinger's head over the top of the blur <laughs> so that they couldn't be uncovered so i was kind of capturing the inconsiderateness but also maintaining their privacy in that moment i i probably wouldn't do that again now but yeah, it bothered me at the time. I was doing a lot of train journeys, and that, that hey, pissed me off. You called attention to something that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I so, did. Yeah, see, mine's not... just simple because it's like, oh, Derek, that effing guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh so. wow, that's that's just really good. That works. As far as branding, <laughs> that's perfect, man. And um, yeah, so um, that's that's kind of where that started, and I've just kind of kept going with it ever since. And 
the the website's now defunct i don't think you can even find it on the Wayback machine now but yeah I've, I've kind of kept it going and uh i had a really good time i even got some like theater reviews out of it which was really oh cool. right on so, yeah that was great um so yeah that was our show mike tyson 87 randy quaid 82 two massive declines Tyson has somewhat recovered, although he's staring down the barrel with some pretty serious charges right now. Randy Quaid has recovered, if you consider insane alt-right gibberish on on Twitter a recovery. I don't. I think that's a continuation of the decline. But yeah, we'll see. It probably will get worse before it gets better, I bet. I, I think so. I don't think we've heard the last of either of these two. I think Randy Quaid's probably done with acting at this point. No one's going to want to work with him after the years of insanity. That I don't know, man. They well, worked with Mel Gibson. He's very true. Very true. Although they can make money with Mel Gibson. I'm not so sure they can do that with Randy Quaid. We'll see. Not unless it's National Lampoon's Vacation. No, no. I could I could stomach a National Lampoon's Vacation. I mean, he, he could, if, like, Cousin Eddie has become <laughs> a wild, insane conspiracy theorist, then I totally buy that. Dude, you know, it's like that method. would actually work. Yeah, that would really work. Maybe he's been building up to that for, like, the last 20 years. Maybe Dude, that's what all he's this doing is about. What the... What's his face? Joaquin Phoenix did when he grew out the yeah. beard and acted all weird. Yeah, he's he's basically just doing a Joaquin Phoenix only <laughs> constantly and for years at a time, which is quite a challenge. So yeah, oh, that go on. I was gonna say randomly, I want to give a shout out to the high high tailing through history people. I reached out yeah. about some of her glassware that was interesting and she yeah, gave oh, me yeah? some some info that put me on the right path. Oh, she hooked you up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of high tailing through history. Um, uh, Laurel and I have been in touch quite a lot recently. Um, Laurel, who is the main host of that, um, I've kind of managed to bring Laurel into my organization. Um, some of the podcasts I work with needed a an articulate American host, and I recommended okay. Laurel, and she is nice. absolutely smashing it out of the park right now and getting paid for it. Dude, she's so, super talented, and all of her reels and everything are just awesome. Yeah. They, the, the, in terms of like when I'm given quotes like I need we need an American, it needs to be a female voice, they need to have a background in education. I'm like, I have the perfect person for you. So she's currently doing one podcast for my company, uh, the company I work for, not my company. Um, and she's <laughs> in line to do another one. So Laurel, you're absolutely killing it. We we love you guys so much. It's such an amazing podcast over there. If you guys get a chance to listen to High Tailing Through History, go and give it a listen. Oh shit, there's a moth. I'm still, um, still waiting for to to be on there. I yeah, haven't pushed it. Where's, where, where's our? Where's our? <laughs> we, we, you've been on ours. Where's our appearance? Huh? Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's okay. There's no rush. Uh, we're both very busy. So, um, and also <laughs> Toasterzoid, thank you for being around as ever. It's so cool having you with us all the time. Our favorite companion. Thank you so Always much. Always fun. Yes. And um, so if you want to follow us on social media again, once again, uh, at Greatest Idiots on Twitter, at History's Greatest Idiots on Instagram, you can also go to patreon.com slash History's Greatest Idiots and sling us some cash. There's a moth on my arm. What the fuck? Moth. Um, <laughs> it's, it's coming for me. Um, and uh, yeah, sling us some cash and you'll get a special treat for signing up and also loads of wonderful behind the scenes stuff and loads of things that i can't remember right now and also uh if you want to if you're listening to us you can watch us on youtube our videos are available all live and in blazing 1420 by 780p uh i may have broken some of the old episodes when i was playing on Streamyard. sorry i'm gonna have to fix that 
Let's don't worry about that. Don't worry. It's not like Spotify didn't skip a whole bunch of our videos. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for that one, Spotify. We're glad you finally got your fucking act together. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. And thank you guys so much. And give us a follow. And uh, we will see you again in a couple of weeks. Derek, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. And uh, take care. Uh, Enjoy the start of a wonderful spring. Okay. Bye now.